Sons, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the February 22nd edition of the sunny side of sports. Our big African football story the past few days has been the tragic death of Ghanaian player Christian Achu from the devastating earthquake that hit Turkey and Syria. Joining us now from Accra, Ghana, with more reaction is Yawafusu Larbi. Sporty greetings, Yaw! Sporty greetings, Sunny. Ghanaians have been left in a state of mourning after the passing of footballer Christian Achu. Achu played over 60 times for the Black Stars and gave football fans some great memories. His mortal remains arrived in the country last Sunday amidst the ceremony at the airport by the military. Ghana's Information Minister Kojo Ponkroma says the state will be fully involved in the process of his burial. The government and the family were together right at the site uh, even for days before the body was uh, found. You saw the ambassador and the team and the family come back here. The state and the family are working together at this state. As the vice president mentioned, um, once a family makes a decision on when uh, they would want his mortal remains buried, the state will be available to assist the family accordingly. So at this stage, it's early days. Yet I think we have to support the family uh, as much as we can through this very, very difficult period. And when that decision is made, the state will also have clarity on what it can do to be part of this. Achu started his football career in Accra, where he roamed through many fledgling football clubs and academies. But it was at Cheetah Football Club that his football began to form. He became a well-rounded footballer. Abdul Hayate, who managed him at the club and later facilitated his move to FC Porto in Portugal, says he's still in shock after hearing the news. When it came out that we've lost our boy, the world mourned Christian. Big institutions like FIFA, CAF, EPL, tweets to actually show their condolence to Christian. Big dignitaries, His Excellency. Nanakufuado, ex-president, John Mahama, lot of big dignitaries share their condolence messages on social media. The smallest village that we have in the world also were sharing their condolence messages. The poor, the wealthiest, everybody. I didn't know how to feel. I cried. Cried because I've lost my boy. Cried because he made me proud. Cried because he told me that this was going to be the time. That this was the time. Achu became a Black Stars player in 2012 and went on to play at the World Cup in 2014. Kwesi was a Black Stars coach who introduced him into the squad. He eulogized Christian Achu as an exceptional talent. Yeah, in actual fact, a friend of mine in London, you know, he prompted me that there's a player in Portugal, so if I can have a look at him. And um, 
why I normally do is um, when the player is recommended, I try to follow the player for about four to five matches. And just to assess and confirm that he can be part of the national team. So through the assessment, I invited him. But what I told him was, look, I've invited you because I've seen how you play, but you need to convince Ghanaians that you deserve to be in the national team. That's actually what I tell every new player who's coming to the national team. So when he also had the opportunity, I believe very well that he proved to all Ghanaians that he deserved to be in the team. Achu will be remembered by many as the footballer who used trickery and skills to produce great moments on the football pitch. But he will be remembered more for the humanitarian work he did for many across the country. To many, he was their saviour, and this will be a huge loss to the football fraternity in Ghana. For the sunny side of sports, this is Yaofusilabi in Accra. Thanks, Yao. Hi, I'm Francis Tiafo. You're listening to Sunny Side of Sports on Voice of America. Turning to tennis, Novak Djokovic and Carlos Alcaraz are ranked one and two in this week's world rankings. On the women's side, the top two players are Iga Fiontek and Arena Sabalenka. Djokovic and Sabalenka won the men's and women's singles titles last month at the Australian Open, and I gave them some props and recognition in this sunny side of sports highlight for 2023. Let's look back on their achievements down under. And let's give a sunny side of sports salute to Novak Djokovic and Arena Sabalenka, who won the men's and women's singles titles over the weekend in Melbourne. For Djokovic, it was his record-extending 10th Australian Open title and record-tying 22nd major championship. For Sabalenka, it was her first Grand Slam trophy. Craig Gabriel was down under in Melbourne for the two-week tournament, and Craig filed this feature report on the big wins by Djokovic and Sabalenka. Novak Djokovic has declared it to be the biggest victory of his career. The last month has been very difficult for him, and when he won, the emotions erupted. He scored a 6-3-7-6-7-6 result over Stefano Tsitsipas. Never before has Djokovic been as overwhelmed with emotion as he was after winning his 10th Australian Open. He was bawling as he fell into the embrace and arms of his family and friends. Well, just a huge... Uh pride and, and satisfaction that I feel at the moment of course uh, when I went into my box you know I just um, think emotionally collapsed there you know and teared up with uh, especially my mother and my brother when I gave them a hug because um, up to that moment um, I was um, not allowing myself to to I get I guess be distracted with things off the court or Whatever was happening, you know, and dealing with uh, with an injury and things things happening off the court as well. This has been an emotionally draining time for him. His return to Australia after last year's controversies, then a question mark over his fitness. You know, I wasn't really liking my chance in this tournament with the uh, with the uh, way I felt with my leg, and uh, you know, then I was just a matter of survival of every single match and just trying to take it 
to the next round. The good thing about um, the Grand Slam here is that <clears throat> you have a day between the matches, so it allowed me to have more time than normally on some other tournaments to um, recover and to try to do all the treatments in, in order to get myself in a somewhat of a good state and condition to, to, to play and eventually win. So when that last point was won, it was like a ton of bricks had been lifted off him. The win was his 22nd major, equaling the record held by Rafa Nadal for the men. He's now just two behind Margaret Court's all-time record. This is his 94th career title. I honestly feel great in Australia and my results are testament to that. So I really wanted to be back here, I wanted to play and uh, knowing my records in Australian Open, I always liked my chances and I ended up the last season in the best possible way I played great, so I did a great preparation, of course considering last year's event I was a bit more nervous uh, coming into Australia didn't know how you know I'm going to be received and by the people but, you know, I mean, overall, it was a very positive experience. Tsitsipas was thwarted at every turn and twist. Well, I did everything possible in order to get a good match against him. And, you know, my team is working um, exceptionally to, to give me the best, uh, the best way that I can approach this, especially today. Uh, there is nothing that um, I didn't... Um, there is nothing that I didn't use to my advantage or... There's nothing that I, I could have extracted more for today. I did everything possible. He had a set point in the second set and couldn't convert it. He was up a break in the third and that didn't last long. Djokovic was everywhere he needed to be. It was one of those days where nothing was going to stop him. And on top of winning the title, Novak Djokovic returned to the world number one ranking. The last time he held that was on the 6th of June 2022. And he starts his 374th week at the top of world tennis. 24-year-old Irina Sabalenka is the Australian Open champion. The Belarusian player has come back from a set-down to beat Elena Rybakina in a thrilling final, 4-6-6-3-6-4. And it's the fourth time she's beaten the Kazakh player. Sabalenka will earn almost $3 million and will move to the number two ranking in the world. But all that pales in comparison to the biggest title of her life. Never before has Sabalenka reached a singles final at the majors. Now she's the Australian Open champion. Her best effort before this was at the Australian Open last year, when she only made the last 16. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think it's it's even more more enjoyable. I would say after all those tough tough matches, and I I, I really feel right now that I really needed those tough losses to kind of understand myself a little bit better. And it was it was like a preparation, you know, like for me. And I I actually feel happy that I lost those matches. So right now I can be a different different player and. Uh, just different arena, you know. In front of a packed stadium, including many past champions, she won the biggest prize of her life, defeating Rebakina in two hours, 28 minutes. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think it's really the best match, I would say it was. And she played an unbelievable tennis. And I fought, I fought so hard to, uh, to win this one. And I think tennis was great. And uh, so I'm really happy that it wasn't easy match, you know. 
I really enjoyed enjoyed this battle. Sabalenka has won all 11 matches she's played this year, and in the final she hit 51 winners and 17 aces to improve her record over Elena to 4-0. She'll rise to number two in the world, while Rabakina will be 10. I don't think that tomorrow I'm going to feel different just because of the uh, ranking now. I mean, for sure it's going to be different on the smaller tournaments, I would say. I'm going to be uh, seeded and uh, maybe in some tournaments I'm not going to play for strong. So, I mean, of course there is uh, some benefits uh, out of this. and uh, But for sure I don't really look for the, for the numbers ranking so much. This was the fourth consecutive year that a woman had reached the final of the Australian Open, having never been in the final of any other major. And it's the first time since 2020 that one of those first-timers had scored a win. The last occasion was Sophia Kennan. The match ended with Rabakina sending a return long, and Sabalenka dropped to the court in tears in a state of near disbelief. She follows Vika Azarenka as the only Belarusian players to have won one of the big four titles. Craig Gabriel, VOA Sports, Melbourne. Thanks, Craig! Follow the sunny side of sports on Facebook, Twitter, and at voaafrica.com. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. My Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. And if you go to voaafrica.com, you can listen online to the sunny side of sports and other VOA programs. Check out voaafrica.com. Africa is your trusted source for news, sports, entertainment, and music. Stay engaged with VOA Africa. We love to hear your voice. You can call us 24-7 on WhatsApp and leave a message. Leave comments, requests, or greetings. We may play your message on VOA Africa. Dial the international code plus one, then... 202-258-3076. VOA Africa is always happy to hear your voice. The number again is the international code plus one, then 202-258-3076. In European club football, Napoli and reigning title holder Real Madrid both posted road victories Tuesday in their first leg round of 16 UEFA Champions League matches. Down by two goals after 14 minutes at Anfield, Madrid rallied to beat Liverpool 5-2. And Napoli scored a 2-0 win at Eintracht Frankfurt. For analysis of the Liverpool-Real Madrid fixture, 
Iron Mike and Bonier spoke with the chief football writer at ACLSports.com, Fisayo Dairo. Yes, I must admit that the final outcome of the game was indeed surprising to me and to many others. Because come to think of it, these were the two teams that contested last year's final, which was decided by an odd goal. So, especially for Liverpool to go 2 nil ahead in the game, and everyone thought, you know, they were going to coast home to victory, and suddenly they imploded, considered two in the first half, considered three more in the second half. One has to be surprised. Um, this was definitely going to be the star match of the round. And so one will have expected a little bit more competitiveness among both teams. Yes, the fixture served us the goals that we do yearn for in the game of football. And I think when you look at the form of both sides, it's only accurate that Real Madrid got to win that game because now they've won five games in a row in all competitions. While for Liverpool, yes, they've had a stuttering run of form of recent, but they've won their last two games in the league. So one thought that, yes, they have turned the corner and when they got that early goal from Darwin Nunez, we thought, yes, Liverpool are back again. But they capitulated in spectacular fashion and uh, for neutrals, it was just one of a beautiful night of football. In another UEFA Champions League round of 16 first leg game, Napoli of Italy defeated Eintracht Frankfurt of Germany. What's your take on the game? When the draws for this stage of this competition was conducted sometimes last year, between Eintracht Frankfurt and Napoli was one of the few that many pundits think are pretty much straightforward due to the form that Napoli find themselves in. They emerged top of a group that had Liverpool and currently in the Serie A, they are impregnable. They are top of the table and the champions in waiting. So coming up against a side like Frankfurt, who are getting to this stage for the first time in about 60 years or thereabout. They've not been to the second round of the Champions League since the 60s. So they are clearly the underdogs and for Napoli to do the business in Germany, scoring a goal in each half from Victor Simen and Giovanni Di Lorenzo, it, 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 it's quite not surprising. And um, yes, when you look at their form, Napoli have won each of their last five games in the Serie A, while for Frankfurt, of course, although they've only lost once in their last seven games, that is not as hot as um, what the Italian side have at the moment. So it's also expected that the Italians go back to the Diego Armando Maradona Stadium in Naples to do the business and seal off the tie when both teams clash in the second leg. Fisayo, what's your assessment of African players in the UEFA Champions League games played on Tuesday? There were some worthy contributors from the African continent in the Champions League action on Tuesday night. And I must say the peak of them all has to be the inform red-hot Nigerian rampaging striker Victor Osimhen. Osimhen scored the first goal for Napoli in that 2-0 win in Germany against Frankfurt. And um, he even won the penalty in the first half, which was missed by the Georgian star Varashkilia. But having said that, Osimhen was at uh, the speak of his power, scoring goals with regular devastation at the moment. And there is no stopping the young guy at the moment. Also for Napoli, there was a Cameroonian midfielder from Zambu and Guisa, who was at his um, usual best in the midfield for Luciano Spalletti's side. And 
in England, where Real Madrid recorded that shock 5-2 win over Liverpool. Liverpool's African superstar, Mohamed Salah, um, was arguably one of their best players on the night. He had a fantastic assist for the first goal scored by Darwin Nunez before he got a gift of a goal to put Liverpool 2 0 ahead in that game. Although everything came down crumbling after some messy defending by the Liverpoolians and in the end they lost 2 5. Another African, Joel Matip, came on after after Real Madrid had scored their fifth goal, he came on in the 73rd minute and he seemed to uh, to stem the tide of uh, Real Madrid's goals, goals pre. And um, these are some of uh, the worthy contributions by Africans and we expect to see more as the competitions progress. That's Fisayo Dairo, the chief football writer at ACLSports.com. And Fisayo spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Port Harcourt, Nigeria. Sporty greetings. This is Fisayo Dairo, chief football writer at ACLSports.com. And you are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. In more African football news, Gambia topped Tunisia 1-0 and Benin and Zambia drew one all in Tuesday's results at the Africa Under-20 Cup of Nations tournament in Egypt. Both games were played in Alexandria, Egypt. Alagie Sane scored on a header in the 84th minute for Gambia. In the Benin-Zambia match, Benin's Rodolfo Aloko put his team in front with a goal in the 57th minute. And about five minutes later, second-half substitute Rickson and Gamby equalized for the young Chipolo Polo. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel, host of Press Conference USA, VOA's Newsmaker Interview Program. Join us each Saturday and Sunday when we talk with authors, analysts, and policymakers who provide fresh insight on topics ranging from U.S. politics and foreign policy to science, culture, and global health. You can listen to Press Conference USA on the radio or online at voanews.com slash PCUSA. While you're visiting our website, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love to hear from you. Just send an email to PCUSA at VOANews.com or connect with us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Carol Castiel VOA or on Twitter at Carol Castiel VOA. That's Press Conference USA every Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. Around the clock, the Voice of America keeps you in touch with the latest news. Tune in at the top of every hour, every day of the week. For the five-minute VOA newscast. We bring you reports from our correspondents and interviews with newsmakers from around the globe. Give us five minutes and we'll give you the world. VOA, your trusted source for news and information. Hi guys, I'm Ferdinand Omanyala the fastest man in Africa, African 100-meter record holder. And now you're listening to Sunny Side of Sports on The Voice of America. Auto racing, seven-time world champion Lewis Hamilton is vowing to continue speaking out despite Formula One's governing body 
putting the brakes on drivers making political statements. VOA's Gwen Uten has more. Sporty greetings, Gwen. Sporty greetings, Sonny. In 2020, British race driver Lewis Hamilton launched the Hamilton Commission alongside the Royal Academy of Engineering that addressed the underrepresentation of black people in UK motorsport. The following year, Hamilton called for greater inclusion of people of color in the sport and urged his fellow Formula One drivers to be more outspoken on social issues. In response to a new rule issued by Formula One's governing body, the FIA, he reiterated his commitment to use his platform to address human rights and racial injustice. The updated International Sporting Code bans all drivers from expressing non-neutral political, religious, and personal statements without written permission to do so from the FIA. The clampdown has been criticized by rights groups and a string of drivers, including Lewis Hamilton, who says nothing will stop him from exercising his right to freedom of speech. I mean, I wasn't really watching the news over the winter, but I heard it. I mean, it's... It doesn't surprise me, um, but nothing will stop me from speaking on the things that I feel that I'm passionate about and, and issues that there are. I feel the, sp- the sport does have a responsibility still, uh, always, to speak out on things, to create awareness and on, on important topics, particularly as we're traveling to all these different places. And so nothing changes for me. Hamilton has said he wants to be remembered as much for creating change as winning championships. With a record 103 victories and seven world titles to his name, Hamilton is considered one of the greatest Formula One drivers to ever grace a circuit. At age 38, he's currently in his final year of his contract with Mercedes. But Mercedes team principal Toto Wolff says age is not a factor as talks with Hamilton Hamilton continue for a contract extension. The age uh, 38 plays uh, no role for this next contract. In terms of the contractual situation, I think we've always found good solutions that reflect the value for the team, value for the team and for the sport. And on the other side, uh, I think Mercedes is the place he wants to be. Hamilton is also revving up a film project as co-producer of a new fictionalized movie about the world of Formula One racing. And he says diverse representation is as important to him in the film as it is on the track. My job and I think responsibility is to make sure it is diverse. I, I want to make the the movie in terms of like having diversity uh, and representation. I want it to be as Form one should be in the future or should be now but will be in the future so i want to see female mechanics i want to see uh we would love to see a female driver we haven't got to that point just yet but that's why not um and so yes yeah, so right now we're just working on the i think it's we're still got the script we've gone through quite a few different iterations of it we're still waiting for a new rewrite And that's the whole process. The film will reportedly shoot during race weekends in the second half of the season that officially begins at the Bahrain Grand Prix on March 5th. And Mercedes is set to feature their much-anticipated W14 Formula One car in 2023. And that is all from me, Sonny. Back over to you. 
Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uten. I'm Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. The AP's Josh Roundtree joins us now with some U.S. men's college basketball news. College basketball, where there were four top 25 matchups throughout the country Tuesday. In Manhattan, Kansas, K-State dropped ninth-ranked Baylor. More from correspondent Greg Eklund. First-year head coach Jerome Tang, an assistant coach at Baylor for 19 years, savored Kansas State's 75-65 win over the Bears. It's not the who we played or, or win in that, but the environment tonight and, uh, you know, just the turnout, the crowd, the energy. I mean, it's every coach's dream. K-State trailed by three at halftime but came out firing in the second half behind Keontae Johnson, who scored a game-high 25 points, 16 in the second half. Wildcats point guard Marquise Noel chipped in with 14, 10 from the free-throw line, but he also had 10 assists and no turnovers. Elsewhere, 8th-ranked Texas roughed up Iowa State 72-54. Wade Taylor the fourth scored 25 points as 25th-ranked Texas A&M dropped 11th-ranked Tennessee 68-63. 10th-ranked Marquette got by 19th-ranked Creighton 73-71. And in their first home game since an on-campus mass shooting eight days prior, Michigan State knocked off 17th-ranked Indiana 80-65. I'm Josh Roundtree. And that wraps up the February 22nd edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA Sunny Young in Washington, and that's the sunny side of sports. I get it.